Welcome to Equal Eye Perspectives Podcast. I am your host, Brian Eichelberger. I thank you for joining me and spending time and listening to these podcasts that I've been sending out. I hope that uh, there's fruit and life in the spirit on these podcasts and the words that I'm speaking. I hope you find it uh, of benefit. Um, today is Monday, October 7th. I always like to give the date because I never know when sometime in the future someone might listen to these. It's the year 2019, by the way. October 7th, 2019. It's been a couple of weeks since I've been on. Uh, the last time that I was on, I gave a prophetic word about the fear of the Lord and the honor of the Lord coming back into the house of God. And the scriptures say that judgment begins in the house of the Lord. And so there are some judgments that are coming to the house where the Lord's beginning to deal with things that are contrary to the nature and um, the person of our Heavenly Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's in order to um, bring us into a place of righteousness and holiness. And I believe it's the place where the fear of the Lord is going to reside. And so um, the fear of the Lord is going to reside in his people and in his house. He's building his house. He's not building a church. He's building the house. And the house is built on father and son relationships. And so at some point today, I'm hoping to touch on a little bit more the father-son relationship. There about two months ago or so, um, I sent out a podcast where I did an interview with a spiritual father in the Lord. The scriptures speak about patriarchs in the Old Testament and New Testament. Paul speaks that he is a father um, to some of the churches um, because of the gospel that the Lord Jesus gave to him. He's been a father to the churches. He said so as uh, imitate me. Um, and obviously he had spiritual sons. Timothy was a spiritual son and he had others that he raised up. Um, in Malachi 4, 6, again, we see before the great and dreadful day of the Lord, for great and dreadful, before the Lord's return, that the spirit of Elijah is going to be released. And I've been prophesying to you and giving words and encouragement and instructions and counsel and, and uh, teachings on this understanding of Malachi 4, 6. And that's what I've been on for the last year and a half off and on. And that the spirit of Elijah will be restored back into the house of the Lord. And the purpose of that is to restore the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children back to the fathers. Uh, he said, so that I will not smite the land with a curse. Much of what's been under attack has been the father-son relationship, father-son slash daughter relationship. And so we're seeing throughout the nations and are out throughout the world that the enemy has been attacking um, the identity, the father-son and re father-son relationship, which is meant to bring people into a place of maturation, maturity. Excuse me, and that's what the Lord is wanting to do, and what He's working on right now is maturing His people. And so, I do want to hit on that for a few minutes today. But before I do that, I want to release uh, this word and share this with you. I think. Um, about two weeks ago, in a dream at night, I saw a name. And the name, I felt, was a play on words. And the name, first name was Marytel, spelled M-A-R-I-T-E-L-L. -L. And the last name was Brothers, Marytel Brothers. And as I was seeing this at night in a dream, but it was like appearing in front of me in a vision, but I was 
in, in the dream, seeing this, um, all I could think about was how the Lord, after his death and his resurrection, he appeared to Mary and he said, go and tell the brothers or go and tell the brethren. So I felt like Mary tell was a play on words. It's Mary tell, go, go announce, tell them. And uh, the word uh, brothers is also a word for brethren. So I want to turn here to John chapter 20. And I just want to read some of this. I'm going to start at verse 10. Um, Jesus had already died and been in the tomb at this point. It says, starting in verse 10, John 20, 10. So the disciples went away again to their own homes. That's, that's an, an important uh, feature there, to their own homes. Now remember, I believe, if I'm correct, Jesus uh, died in uh, Jerusalem. Um, on Gargotha's hill, was buried in Joseph's tomb, Joseph of, of Arimathea. And we see here that the disciples go to their own homes. Then it says in verse 11, But Mary was standing outside the tomb weeping. So as she wept, she stooped and looked into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting, one at the head and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had been lying. And they said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. When she said this, had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there and did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop clinging to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brethren. There's the word brothers. Go to my brethren and say to them. And that's where I'm saying, where he's saying, tell them, say to them. I ascend to my Father and your Father, and my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came announcing, she came telling to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, that he had said these things to her. I think we're in a time where Mary, tell the brothers, go and tell the brethren. Um, what, she, what did she tell them? Well, one, she told them that she saw the Lord. I think we're coming into a time where... Um, Many in the body of Christ, I think, are pretty much like some of these disciples are. Um, some are like, well, let me stop there. When Jesus died um, and went to the cross, remember, most of the disciples, not all of them, scattered. John was the only disciple that of, of the twelve that we know that was there at the cross. Remember, he even said to John, you take care of, of my mother. Um, and she said, you know, mother, this is, this is your son. In other words, John's going to care for you. And so Jesus's mother was there at the cross, but so was the apostle John. And so John's writing this account in chapter 20. Now in other translations, it doesn't quite give this account where she's clinging to him. He just says, go and tell the disciples, I will meet them in Galilee, which is very important. Galilee was a place where Jesus prophesied that he was going to die on the cross and in three days be raised up. I'm turning here to Luke chapter 24, around verse 
uh, 6, he is not here. Again, he has risen. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee, saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and the third day rise again. And they remembered his words. I believe that many of us in the body of Christ are like these disciples. We scattered. Um, some have gone to their own homes. I think some may even be in a condition like some of his disciples were. They went home. They didn't know what to do. Remember, prior to this, they followed Jesus wherever he went. They were with him continuously. All of a sudden, this huge event takes place. The arrest, the death, they scatter. Um, John goes to the cross. He's there. He sees Jesus. He sees the death. He takes Jesus' earthly mother, Mary, that he's going to protect her, uh, bring her into his house. The other disciples are nowhere around. What did they do? They all went home. And I'm sure they were frightened. I'm sure that they had lost hope. I'm sure that maybe their vision was down. They didn't know what to do. And here's Mary running to the tomb. She wants to see Jesus, at least his, his burial site. And the rock is rolled away. And now all of this hopelessness and all the grief and all the anguish of everything they've been going through. The, his death. You know, many of us have been in a state of death and dying so that we can come into a place of maturation. The Lord's been requiring things of us in this past time and, and, and in this season. But as I prophesied, we're also in a time of transitioning where the winter season has ended and, and harvest and springtime is coming forth. And so, but there's always that transition. When you transition out of winter, there's always you know, that last storm or last you know, couple of weeks before you get in to that springtime and harvest. And I believe many in the body of Christ are in this place of transition. They were in a place of transition, a major place of transition, feeling hopeless, maybe despair. What do we do now? Remember, they had left their jobs and their um, occupations to follow him. And many of us in the body of Christ have been weighed down because of the past season that we've been in. But Jesus appears to Mary. She doesn't recognize him. But she hears his voice and recognizes the voice when he calls her name. I think Jesus is about to appear to many of us in a form that we have not recognized him in before. He's going to be doing some things that are going to seem like out of the ordinary. It's going to be different. We need to be looking for him in places we don't expect to find him. But we need to hear his voice. We know him by his voice. He said, this is eternal life, that they might know you. He was speaking of the Father. And him whom you have sent, which was himself. Eternal life is about knowing God. It's about coming into the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's coming into a knowledge, the spirit of knowledge. A knowing of him. This is eternal life. This is what we should be walking and living for every day. To get deeper into the knowledge of who God is and, and who Christ is. Because if we know Jesus, then we're going to know the Father. And here's Mary. She immediately clings to him. She grabs him. She doesn't let go. And he says, hey, you can't cling to me. I've yet not ascended. In other words, I've died, but I haven't gone up into that heavenly realm yet. I believe he came back at this point. I believe this is where he was resurrected. I think he went down, took the keys from death and, and from Hades. 
I believe he went down into the pit, took the keys. He took authority over death. He took authority over Hades. Death is a condition. Hades is a place. Those are two angels that look over the realm of the dead. And I believe he took their, their keys. Keys represent authority. And I believe he was coming back in the resurrected state and appeared to Mary. And he says, go and tell the disciples. I've not yet ascended to the Father, but go to my brothers. So go and tell them. I ascend to my Father and your Father. He immediately makes it personal that God is your Father. And there are many in the body of Christ, I think we're stuck in a, a orphan mentality. An orphan is one that's fatherless. And we still haven't had quite the revelation and understanding of who our Father is. That He's still God, and there's a reverence there. A, a, a fear of the Lord and a reverence to the Father that we should have and towards God. But he's also a loving Father. He's a Father that puts us up on his lap, as Paul said in one of those former podcasts. And we can sit and, and talk with him. Here's the Son ascending to be with the Father. And we see this Father-Son relationship. I believe there are some sons that are about to ascend. That we're going to start going into the heavenly realm. And begin to see things we just haven't seen before. I've said this before. We'll see things that eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has entered into the heart of man. But God has things that he wants to give to those who love him. And they're stored up. Now I'm going to talk about this storage in a second. But he says, I send to my father and your father and my God and your God. I believe the Lord wants us to know this. Jesus is not dead. Jesus is alive. And I know we can know that by intellect. We say, well, of course Jesus is alive. He's resurrected. Of course we can, but yet in our situations and our circumstances, our situations and our circumstances can try to dictate to us a certain culture, a certain belief system, mind system that, that is not true. That, man, it's just about death right now and just dying. But there's something greater. Jesus is alive. I think he wants us to start living. I know I've spent time, even myself, you know, I need to die to this, I need to die to that. And there's things, yes, there's things that I need to die to, but there's things we just need to start living. And when we start living in Christ, those things are going to break off. But we're so stuck on doing this in our own strength and our own power. If we would just start living for Christ, living to know Him, living to ascend into the heavenly realm, to get a revelation and understanding into the deep mysteries of the knowledge of, of God as our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe there are things that have been a tough, hard, difficult season for many of us. As I've said before, it's been a season of death, but I believe we're about ready to come into some life. I believe Jesus says, go and tell the brethren, I've ascended, I've risen, and I've gone to the Father, and it's also your Father. And where I am, you also have access. I've gone and prepared a place for you. Come up and be with the Father. Come out of that dark, difficult time and begin to trust in the revelations and the words that I've given to you. Because here, this, this is extremely important. I, I said at the very beginning, verse 10, the disciples went away again to their own homes. And, and Luke and Matthew, Mark and Luke they say that Jesus said to them after he appeared, 
to Mary and said, go and tell the disciples. He said, I will meet them in Galilee. Now, the other gospels mention meeting in Galilee. John doesn't mention that. I don't see where he says, hey, I'm going to go and meet them in Galilee. But many of them, that was home base. Many of them lived in that region called Galilee. And so uh, when Jesus did some of his greatest miracles and greatest works, he did them in Galilee. He did the Beatitudes from Galilee. He walked on the water, Galilee. And many of his signs and wonders took place in Galilee. But he gave him a word. Remember, we read it here in Luke 24. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he spoke to you while he was still in Galilee. He gave him a word in Galilee that he was going to die and three days be resurrected. And yet he comes back and he finds them in their homes. And many of them lived in the region of Galilee. And he says, hey, I'm going to appear to you in Galilee. But go and tell them this. I've ascended. Or I, I, I ascend. Not that I have ascended. I ascend. Jesus is going to ascend to the Father. Now, what does that mean? Many of us will look at it in, um, in Acts and say, well, that's what he was talking about. But he said, I ascend, which is like a present tense. It means now. And immediately after, here in John 20, then we see him appearing the next evening on the first day of the week, he appears to the disciples and says that their doors were shut out of fear of the Jews. They were scared to death. Many of us have been in this place of great difficulty, darkness, fear, hopelessness. What I'm prophesying to you, I believe the Lord says, go and tell the brethren they're about to ascend. <laughs> they're about to come up out of that pit. They're about to come up out of that dark time. And the encouragement is that the Lord has given us words in our home, things that are very personal and intimate to us. But I believe the enemy has come and stolen some of those words. Or we have forgotten some of those words that the Lord has given to us. And it's like those words have fallen on, on the, the ground and there's like, we think there's no life to those words anymore. And I believe that's a lie of the enemy. I think we got to break off the shackles of hopelessness and fear and, and discouragement and begin to remember the words that the Lord Jesus has given us, even the personal prophecies. And begin to call them forth again out of faith and belief, not just out of semantics. Because, you know, yeah, it's the right thing to do, but you're really struggling in your heart. If that's the case, break off the unbelief, break off the doubt, break off the fears, break off the hopelessness. Begin to believe in the word of the Lord. Because he has spoken to you in Galilee. And he has promised that there's life out of this thing. We're, we're, we're going to touch the life of Christ. Whatever your situation, whatever your condition, he's bringing us up. And a part of it is that we would see the Father, know God as our Father, because we are called to be the sons of God. When Jesus, after he has this encounter with Mary, the very next evening, he appears and he walks into the room. He The doors were shut. He walks through the door. Now, Mary was clinging to him. He walks through the door. Perhaps, I haven't had any other revelation on this. I'm just saying, perhaps somewhere between this word and the next evening, Jesus ascended in some fashion. Because he said, I ascend to the Father. 
ascend to my Father and your Father, my God and your God. He makes this thing very personal. So he said, but tell them, I ascend. So it, it, was, it was present. And I don't think he was talking about something that was going to happen almost 50 days later at Pentecost. All right? I think he was talking something prior to that, or should I say 40 days later. I'm referencing the account in the book of Acts. Years ago, I remember where I was, uh, I was in worship in a church, and I had a word from the Lord that was just called open sesame. And I went home and searched the word out. And uh, I don't have time to get into this, this prophecy, but I'm just going to mention it. The, the word open sesame came from the book Ali Baba and the 40 Thieves. And the book was basically about a thief in this city who stole from the people. He stole their hopes. He stole their dreams. He stole things out of their houses. He stole the gold and the silver, their finances. He, he, he stole hope. He stole destiny. He stole callings. And, and uh, the, the people were, were impoverished in a lot of ways spiritually. They had no hope like many in the body of Christ feel. And, and the enemy took it back and took all the belongings that he took from the people in the city and put them in a cave. And he had a name that, that shut the door to the cave, and the name was Open Sesame. That, that, that was like the code. So when he said Open Sesame, then the, 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 the door would open up, kind of like the stone being rolled away from the grave. It would open up, and all of the belongings that the thief stole was in this cave. Well, the enemy has stolen some things. And uh, he has put it in, in his own caves. But there was, an, there was a guy named Ali Baba. And Ali Baba was one day, he heard the thief use the words open sesame out into the woods and up into the mountains where this cave was. And he saw a door or a stone open up. And he saw what was in there. So after the thief left, thief representing Satan, of course. After the thief left, then he goes up and says, open sesame. The door's open and he enters in and he takes back everything that the devil stole. And he takes it back to the people and gives it back to them. Well, the story goes on. There, there, there's a lot of prophetic illustrations. Um, but the enemy tries to come back in. He takes 40 thieves with him, 40 is a number for testing, probation, difficulties. He takes 40 thieves with him. Actually, he was one, so he took 39 others, so it was 40 total. And, uh, you know, they go back into the city, and they try to take things. And there's things in this dream that were, like I said, prophetic, prophetically symbolic. Like, one of the things was that there was a religious spirit that was operating that was trying to steal from the people. There's a religious spirit that has, the enemy has used to steal stuff from the people of God. It holds on to a form of godliness, but that denies the power. Man, let me tell you, when Mary came with this word, she came as an ambassador. You know, Paul, the apostle Paul, spoke how he was an ambassador for Christ. An ambassador is one who's sent out with authority. He said, Mary, you go and you tell these disciples. This is what I say. And when that ambassador, it, it, it's a representative of the one who is, is in supreme authority. So when Paul's saying, I'm sent out as an ambassador in Christ, he said, I'm a senior representative. I've got the authority of Christ, and I'm being sent into this situation with a message. Mary, I believe, is an indication of one who had authority. He said, go 
and give this message. Mary, tell the brothers. Tell the brethren. And she goes and she gives a word. And it's a very strong prophetic word. It, it released hope again to the disciples. And they started to gather in Galilee and wait for the appearing of the Lord. And then right after verse 18 in John 20, he then walks through the door and appears to them. There's things we have yet to understand about living in the realm of the Spirit that I think God's going to make some things really known to us. We, 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 we don't understand it. There's a lot of things we just don't get. But here's Jesus. I believe after his ascension, he walks through the doors and he says, here, touch me. Here I am. I'm right here. And they're like, Lord. And they're shocked, but they begin to rejoice. I believe some are about to see the Lord in this manner. I believe the word of the Lord is going to return to people. And those things that the devil has stolen are going to be restored. Your hope, your dreams, your destiny, your health, your provision, your protection, your identity in the Lord as a son. And God's going to break the religious spirit. He's going to break the spirit of the orphan that has held so many people down. I believe they're going to begin to ascend as the Lord Jesus ascended in the spirit and begin to remember and enter into the word of the Lord again. There's a message that's coming forth through the ambassadors. We need to be reminded of this. All right, His word is alive. It says that his word will not return to him void. It will fulfill the purpose for which it was sent. So I just prophesy life to you right now. That there's life in the words of the Lord that he's given to you. And I know that the enemy will come and, and try to steal it. And he's done that. That's the whole Ali Baba and the 40 feet. For some of us, he's stolen the word. All right, but he's got to give it back because the life of Christ is on that word. And his word's going to be fulfilled. He is the word and he promises to fulfill his word. But we're going to stand up and begin to call back those things. There's things that the canker worm and, and the gnawing locust and the creep, creeping locust has eaten. It's time for us to get back that which has been stolen from us. I decree a season of open sesame in the name of the Lord. I decree a season of open sesame over our lives, spirit, soul, and body. I decree a season that we begin to come into the revelation, the knowledge of Jesus, of the life of Christ. He says, a mind that stays on the flesh is death, but a mind that stays in the spirit is life and peace. We've got to renew our mind through the word of God and the promises of God and not determine things, but what our outward eyes see but by what the word of the Lord is and begin to declare that word of God because it's true. There's authority and power in that. And I'm not saying that it's easy. Ina and I, we're going through our own battles and our own stuff, whether it be health or jobs and family and so forth. But yet, we must praise him. But yet, we hold to the word of God. Remember when the devil came to Jesus to attempt him in those 40 days and 40 nights in the, in, in the wilderness. And Jesus said, but it's written. It is written. The enemy wants to sow the doubt and the unbelief against the word of God. Well, it, it dropped. Well, that wasn't the Lord. Well, you know, the cares of the world stole that. Well, the devil, well, get it back. I believe we're coming into a time of restoration of the promises and the words of the Lord over our lives that have lied dormant for a season.
or that which the enemy has stolen for a season. But the Lord through this season has been bringing his people into maturity. And again, as we begin to see um, here in John 20, it says in verse 21, So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, I also send you. So there he is sending them with authority, the ambassadors sent out with authority. So we see this sending taking place. I, I truly believe that many in the body of Christ are about to experience this where there have been that difficult season, but as we come out, I believe it's Mary, tell the brothers, I ascend to the Father and your Father. I believe there's an ascension coming where that season of death, difficulties, and we're going to come into the life of the Lord. We're going to begin to live for Him. Not trying to die all the time, but just live for Christ. And in the midst of living for Him, the things are going to be broken off of us. I believe the Lord's going to begin to remind people of the promises of the Word of God over your lives that are very specific for you. And in that promise, in that promise, the enemy's got to give back that which he stole from you. We need to start calling these things forth. That the, our, our, our vision, our destiny, our purposes in God are being fully restored. That we might walk in that which the Lord has promised and called us to walk in according to his word and according to his prophetic promises. I like the fact that if you go down in verse 24, it says, But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples were saying to him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see in his hands the imprints of the nails and put my finger into the place of his nails and put my hand to his side, I will not believe. And that's what the enemy is doing. He's been bringing forth hopelessness and doubt and unbelief in, the, in place of the courage and the boldness and the faith to walk in the Word of God. Verse 26, after eight days, eight's a number for new beginnings. It's a number for resurrection. His disciples were again inside, and Thomas with him. Jesus came the doors having been shut and stood in their midst. Again, he walks through the door. There's something there in, in that ascension where he comes and he walks in both physical form where, where the word became flesh and dwells among them and he walks right through the walls and he can be touched. I'm not saying I understand it all, but I believe it. And here he says to Thomas, he says, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Reach here with your finger and see my hands. Reach here, your hand, and put it in my side. And do not be unbelieving, but believing. Thomas answered and said to him, My Lord and my God. I believe, friends, that many of us are about to come into this place <laughs> where the belief, the unbelief, the hopelessness, the fears, the anxieties of this past season are going to begin to break off. We're going to remember the word of the Lord. We're going to enter into the realm and the place of the Spirit that we haven't touched before, but He has for us. I believe the Word of the Lord is going to be restored to us. I believe that which the enemy has stolen, the purposes, the destinies, the callings of people in this time and season are going to be fully restored as a, as a, as a prophetic act of open sesame that we go in and we take back that which the thief has stolen, that which the religious spirit has stolen, that we begin to enter into the fullness of and the purposes of God in this season that will bring forth the life of Christ. I wanted to share that with you because I felt that was something in really important to share. It took a little longer than what I thought. Um, I'm about 31 minutes in. 
I still want to um, talk about the father-son relationship. Again, we see here Jesus talking about the father. And I mentioned some things about the spiritual father and, and son relationship. The whole emphasis of father-son relationship is that spiritual fathers are given to the household to help mature the sons, to disciple them, to disciple the children into sonship. And there are five words in the Greek for son. And I've said this before. It's also we'll see in the New Testament when Jesus is talking about his disciples. He talks about being born again. He talks about being discipled. He talks about being a bond slave. He talks about being a friends. And he talks about being the fully mature sons, the weos. That's a fully mature son. That's like a father in the Lord. And so, again, those are the five aspects of a maturation process that God is bringing many people in the body of Christ through. But one of the ways that he helps in this maturation process is that he brings and puts spiritual fathers in our lives and those hearts of the fathers are being restored or returned. He said, I'm going to restore. So we're in a time of restoration of things. The spirit of Elijah coming into the body of Christ and now in also brings with it a restoration of things. That's why I said there's things that have been stolen, but they're going to be restored. And one of those things is restoring the hearts of fathers back to the children. Let me read here real quick in 1 Corinthians 4, as I just give a little backdrop to some things, and I'll, I'll hit more on it next time. But 1 Corinthians uh, 4. Starting at verse 14, I do not write these things to shame me, but to admonish you as my beloved children. Here's Paul speaking to them. He's speaking to the church of Corinth and he calls them children. So he, he's taking a position as a father. Verse 15, for if you were to have countless tutors or, or numerous tutors in Christ, yet you would not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I exhort you be imitators of me. There he is saying, I'm a spiritual father to you and you are my children. What's he trying to do? He's trying to raise them up into maturity. And that's what fathers do. They watch over the soul. Remember, your heavenly father, God is spirit. He watches over your spirit. The earthly father, a spiritual father, watches over the soul to see that your soul submits into the um, submits to your spirit. And so one of the things is that an earthly father, or I'm sorry, I keep saying earthly father, spiritual father, and they help you to understand and remind you of your purpose and your destiny. They help you remind you that who you are, your identity in Christ, and our identity is that we are sons of God. And what's under attack so much on the earth right now, so many of the movements that are happening on the earth, both in the church and, and outside the church, is about identity. Everybody has a, a, a need to, to have an identity, to belong, um, to be accepted. And if, if they don't come to Christ, if, if our minds are not renewed that our identity is in Christ, our acceptance and our belonging, our purpose is in Him, then the enemy is going to offer something to us from the things of the world. And it'll take the place. This is why we have so many people, both in the church and outside the church, don't know their gender right now. Men thinking they're women and women thinking that they're men. That has to do with identity. 
And so what we have on the earth, the epidemic, one of the epidemics on the earth, is one of fatherlessness. So if you're fatherless, you're an orphan. All right? And what I'm talking about that is that there's a certain culture or mindset that we have to have as sons, that, that we understand that God is our Father and we begin to step into the things of His culture. And His culture is kingdom. He has a kingdom culture. So what we see here is that we have many tutors, but not many fathers. And I remember back in, in the early 2000s, I don't remember the exact date, um, but I remember it was in early 2000s. I was living on Pointer Ridge Drive in Bowie, Maryland. And I had people and friends who were starting prayer movements and groups in Bowie. And a lot of the churches were starting prayer movements. And one of the things that they were primarily praying for and asking the Lord for was revival in Bowie. And I remember, and this is a prophetic word that I'm giving to Bowie right now. I'm prophesying this to you, Bowie. City of Bowie, the body of Christ in the city of Bowie. That an angel appeared to me and he said, Brian, you tell Bowie. And I knew he's talking about the city. They will never see revival. This angel said, this was a word coming from the Lord. This angel was just giving me the message. Tell Bowie they will never see re revival until the fathers are in place doing what they're supposed to be doing. And one of the roles of the father is to raise up children into sonship. Is to help the body of Christ mature. And they don't use people for their own purposes. The people aren't to serve them. The father serves the people. The, the fathers are imitators of Christ. So as Paul said, imitate me for I'm, I imitate Christ. What he's saying is that there is a certain um, realm or sphere or a certain level of maturity that was in Paul. That the people looked to that they were not quite at that maturity level yet. And Paul's responsibility, part of his call was to see those children come into their sonship. And so likewise, we have many tutors, many counselors, many people give counsel and, 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 and can tutor, but it doesn't mean they're a father. And so the Lord, in, through the spirit of Elijah, is restoring the hearts of fathers back to the children. And when that happens, when a father's heart's restored to the children, then the heart of the children is restored back to the father. And so... We're in a place now, again, I even prophesied to this to Bowie that the fathers need to get into their place. The fathers need to stand up and begin to walk and live as fathers. And next podcast, I want to talk a little bit more on what this father-son relationship is about. I just want to be personal with some things and how the Lord has put spiritual fathers. Some, from the time that I came to the Lord, he put spiritual fathers in my life. And I believe he did it to fulfill the prophetic mandate that we're walking in now. That in the great and dreadful day of the Lord, the spirit of Elijah will come and restore the heart of the father to the children, the heart of the children to the fathers, so that I will not smite the land with a curse. There's a curse set upon our nation, a curse set upon our land. Because not only do we not honor the fathers, or the fathers are not even in place, but if they are, we're not even giving honor to them even in the household of God, but it's also in the nation. Our nation, our founding fathers are under attack. If you've heard anything in the media, they're attacking our founding fathers in many ways. And these men need to be honored. 
So we're going to talk in the, in, in the next several podcasts about the father-son relationship. And then after that, I'm going to talk about the orphan because it's going to transition into the next prophetic book called The Madman. And I'm trying to, I believe the Lord would have me to time this thing correctly because of what's coming up in 2020. And we'll talk more about that in the next podcast. I thank you for joining me. I hope again that, um, that this message um, you found beneficial, that it brings forth fruit and life in you. Open sesame. Open sesame in this time and season. May the things that the enemy has stolen from us be fully restored. And may we walk in the life and the rebirth and the newness in this new time and season in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is Brian Eichelberger for Eagle Eye Perspectives Podcast. Grace, grace to you and to your household.